Greetings and welcome to another episode of TechNet Radio. I'm Dan Stoltz. I'll be your host today. Uh, you can reach me on my blog at itproguru.com or on Twitter at itproguru. I'm excited to have a friend and local leader as my guest. Um, I'm joined today by Paul Thorat, and we're going to count down Paul's top 10 reasons why you should care about upgrading to Windows 10. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Thanks a lot. Good to see you. So uh, maybe before we get started, let's, uh, can you tell us a, a little bit about you, what you do, uh, obviously a lot about your, your blog and you know, mm -hmm. your writing. Um, speaking of sure. writing, you also have a book. Maybe you can kind of update us on what's going on with you. Yeah, so I mean, a short version, I've been <laughs> covering Microsoft professionally for over 20 years. I've written somewhere in the 25 to 30 book range, um, almost exclusively about Microsoft technologies, usually Windows. Um, I started at Windows IT Pro 15 or 17 years ago. I, I left there uh, about a year and a half ago, and I'm now at Petri, and I have my own website, uh, throt.com. And so my most recent book is the Windows 10 Field Guide, which I co-wrote with Martin McLean and Raphael Rivera, and you can find that on leadpub, leanpub, sorry.com. Um, and I write about, I mean, I write, I probably write about Windows 10 just about every single day, I would imagine yeah. these days, yeah. Um, and I'm a I'm a follower, so I'm I'm getting uh, getting that's how that's how I. Or get I'm so started. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Your insight is far comes far faster than in, my internal um, uh, channels for getting information, so it's awesome. Sure, thank you. Um, so today our topic is we're going to count down your top 10 reasons why you should care about upgrading to Windows 10. And I noticed number 10, it's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, well, a lot of them are no-brainers, but especially number 10 because it is free. So um, tell us why that's such a big deal now and why it's yeah. important. I, you know, so Microsoft announced sometime uh, probably in January that there were over 200 million devices running Windows 10. And most of those were upgrades, which is awesome, you know, PC upgrades primarily. That's never really happened with Windows, with the possible exception being Windows 95 quite a long time ago. And so I think the big news there, aside from the fact that it is free for individuals, is that the upgrade process has improved to the point where most normal people can actually undergo this. And that's been proven in that 200 million figure, I think. And that's a big, big deal because it allows people to take existing computers and get them up to date with the latest technologies, the latest security, the latest features, and all that kind of stuff. Now, the, the one exception here, of course, you know, is that it's not technically free for businesses. And, of course, sure. uh, depending on the size of the business and the scope of their relationship with Microsoft, they probably have an enterprise agreement and they're on a perpetual uh, ability to upgrade cycle as it is. But the ability to upgrade to Windows 10 for free for consumers and for individuals is, is a huge, huge deal. Yeah, and... Um, I guess I'll I'll add to that. You know, Microsoft it obviously cost them a lot of money to be able to do that. But really, they're looking at uh, it. It seems to me like they're looking at you know businesses being able to kind of fund the Windows effort as well as new PCs. Because whenever you get a new PC, ultimately you're paying for Windows that way as well. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's better for the entire community of users that everyone be upgraded to the latest technology when possible. Right? It's kind of reduces the attack surface. It gives Microsoft. Uh, less work to do across multiple Windows versions to, uh, you know, protect against different um, attacks and so forth. So good news all around. Yeah, and that actually leads us to number nine, which was, uh, which is automatic um, and regular updates. And I'll, I'll preface this by saying not only is uh, do I agree with that, but um, from the standpoint of just from the development effort behind the scenes, the limited number of different, you know, products that they have to support is um, is kind of a, a big key there too. So can you tell us about the updates? 
Yeah, this is a big one, and it's it's actually semi-controversial in some circles because, of course, especially in businesses, they're very used to doing things on their own schedule. And with Windows 10, Microsoft wants to treat Windows like a cloud service, essentially, where it's mm -hmm. continually evergreen, it's always refreshed, it's always up to date. And the point of this isn't, all, isn't so much new features, although we do see new features being added to Windows 10 on a fairly regular basis. It's really about the security and integrity of the system and keeping everyone at the same level because it's not just about different Windows versions, you know, Windows 7, Windows 8, Windows 10. It's also about different versions within a version. You know, some right. people might be on a service pack. They might be at a certain update level on uh, Windows 8 or whatever. And this is a way to get everyone as close to possible across the board. And I should say, for businesses, there is choice. You know, this. Uh, they have various... Uh, technology, some of which are new to this version, where businesses can choose to be on different upgrade levels as they go. And so it's, just, it's sort of a way to um, do the right thing for, the, for individuals and let businesses move forward at their own pace as well. Yeah, one of the things that I really um, love about this, you know, continuous update or this, you know, operating system as a service, software as a service um, model is that you have a, a very finite number of machines that you have to test and, you know, that Microsoft has to test against, which means they hopefully can do a much better job of making sure that everything's going to work so things aren't going to be breaking as people roll out. And speaking of that, you know, a typical operating system in the past has been anywhere from, you know, five to seven years worth of development. So when you roll that much code out, it's inevitable things are going to break. And by having this model where they're doing updates every, you know, se several times a year, that gives you a much smaller... Um, um, possibility of you know, or much much smaller amounts of code that you have to test and regression right. test against. Yeah. Now number eight. Um, hello, hi Paul. Hello. <laughs> Tell us about Windows Hello. Yeah. Well, you know, in Windows eight, Microsoft introduced new ways of signing into the computer, and they were they were interesting. A pin type signing, like you would have on a mobile device. Uh, there was a password picture, a picture password uh, sign in type, which was kind of interesting. But in Windows ten. This stuff really goes to the next level with new biometric sign-in types. And Windows Hello, there are three basic technologies. Uh, two are camera-based. One is an iris scan. One is a full facial scan. And then the third one is one we're sort of familiar with from ThinkPads and other devices, which is a fingerprint um, swipe or a press. And by integrating this kind of biometric sign-in into Windows and then extending it out to uh, online services as well through Windows Passport, Microsoft is making you know, Windows 10 a much simpler system for people to use securely, which I think is the big deal because we don't have to memorize multiple crazy passwords and so forth. And I think this is the beginning of the end of that password nightmare that we all go through. Yeah, and, but the, the cameras that we're using that we're talking about here are not the standard cameras where you can stick a piece of paper with a picture in front of yeah, it. Yeah, you can't hold up a picture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And spoof it. So, <laughs> yeah. um, But that also brings up a point that as... Uh, I know this is, uh, the, you know, our, your target audience is really consumers, but um, for those that are in the professional world, that means corporate standards probably need to change, right? As we start thinking about sure. what machines we're going to be deploying in our organizations, we probably want to start making sure that we're supporting these types of uh, hardware configurations. Yeah, exactly. So uh, as we move to number seven, let's talk about the browser. Right. So for the first time since there was a browser for Microsoft, Microsoft has a new web browser in Windows 10. And this one has been built from the ground up to be standards compliant and all that kind of stuff. So it's thin and it's light and it moves really quickly and all that. And, and currently in Windows 10, it, it's kind of in an incomplete state because it doesn't support things like extensions and a couple of other features that uh, people might be used to from other browsers. Although actually literally this week as we're recording this, uh, they launched the first pre-release version of uh, a version of Edge that does support extensions. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's very exciting. And that's going to be things for, you know, ad blocking, uh, password management from LastPass and other services and all that stuff. But the reason I still really like Edge today is because it renders the web so beautifully. It if does. you put this thing side by side with other browsers, there's something about the, it's, it's like clear type plus, you know, it's just an awesome display for, and for someone like me who spends the day reading and writing on the web, um, I just, I just love the way it looks. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this thing becoming a little bit more complete so I can just use it as my only browser going forward. Yeah, and you know there's some there's some extra add-on benefits that that I you know I whenever they first came out I was like okay yeah nobody's ever going to use this this is cool but nobody's ever going to use it you know being able to write on the screen and all that stuff but I actually find that I use it all the time um, I'll yeah. write on the screen and I'll use that as a screenshot because you know people will send me emails all the time how do I do this or can you show me how to do that or where's this information or where's that information and you know I used to spend a lot of time you know or I spend a lot of time and I just like send them a link okay here's the link this is, answers your problem but a lot of times that's buried in like an eight-page, you know, step-by-step guide. And really all they missed is one one little thing or all they want to point out is one little thing on that article. Now I can like circle the thing that they're interested in instead of them having to spend 20 minutes to figure out where in that long document, you know, that I'm trying to, to, to guide them. You know, right. that and the Cortana integration and stuff like that is um, it actually makes me a better communicator. So that's, you know, in addition to being beautiful and fast and secure, um, it also helps me in other ways as well. So it sounds like you use a Surface or a Surface-like device is what I'm I hearing. do. I use a Surface, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I love my pen. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I'm a keyboard guy. I've always been a keyboard guy, but I'm starting to get used to the advantages of a, of a touch device, for sure. I, I have a friend who does not work at Microsoft who li- literally does impromptu Surface book demonstrations where he detaches the screen and walks around with it. And uh, you know, I, figured, I, I said to him, you should get $100 every time you do that. I, <laughs> <laughs> it just does it. It just does it on his own, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of Cortana integration mm-hmm. with Edge, Cortana is number six on your list. What's Cortana? Who's yeah, so Cor- yeah, Cortana is the di- personal digital assistant. It debuted in Windows Phone a few years back. I think in Windows Phone 8.1 probably. Um, it's part of Windows 10 now on the PCs and also on tablets and on mobile. And I think integrating it directly into the OS is really really cool because what it does is it ties on the back end services behind the scenes, including uh, third-party services like Uber and, you know, Microsoft Health and so forth. And so it provides you with this little dashboard of what's going on in your life, but it also provides a really uh, kind of human way of interacting with the computer. We can talk to it, kind of like uh, Scotty tried to do in Star Trek Four or whatever, where you're interacting with this thing the same way that you and I are interacting just by speech. It's really, really cool stuff. Yeah, I know I use mine all the time. I use it on, the, on, my, on my laptop, on my Surface, and on my phone. Um, I find Cortana um, incredibly helpful. Um, you know, I don't think she's, you know, as good as a paid assistant yet, but <laughs> no. uh, I'm looking forward to, the, to you know, yeah. as things uh, continue to improve um, in that respect. Yeah, and, and tied to the automatic updates. I mean, that's something we see regularly. Cortana is upgraded all the time. Yep. Now, number five is actually the very first thing with Windows 10 that I fell in love with, yeah. and that is the Action Center. So right. tell us about the Action Center. So Microsoft added notifications, like we see on mobile devices, to Windows with Windows 8, but the thing it didn't have was a notification center, a place where those notifications could kind of collect, so that if you're not sitting in front of the computer, the toast appears and you miss it, you have a place to go see what you missed. And that's basically what Action Center provides and like you I'm a keyboard guy so Windows key plus a by the way is you know the quick way to get to Action Center but it provides you know I've got email in there I've got Xbox in there security maintenance stuff 
Um, if you're familiar with that, basically any mobile device, really, where you swipe down from the top of the screen and you have some uh, quick action items, it's got that stuff in there as well. And it's an interface that works really, really well, whether you're on, you know, I've got this gigantic screen in front of me with a regular kind of PC, or if you have a mobile device like a tablet or a phone, um, it's just this one place to go uh, to see what you missed, basically, uh, with your notifications. It's just the, it's like the missing piece of the notification puzzle. Yeah, and um, it, the the thing that I fell in love with, I love the, the the notification, but the part of it that I fell in love with was all the little buttons, you know. Um, so <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the brightness button I use like all the time, constantly, because you know I'll adjust my brightness uh, to pr hmm. to conserve battery life, and then a, a one touch for airplane mode. I mean, why didn't they? Why didn't we have that years ago? You know, yep. Um, yep. You know quiet hours. You know, I work a lot. I, I work a lot where I don't want to be bothered. I turn on quiet hours and I'm not bothered. So uh, there's some really cool features in addition to just notification in the Action Center. Um, yes. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, so Windows 10 does work great on PCs. Um, so can you tell us more about that? Yeah, there are two in this list that, are, that seem like they're a little bit uh, connected, and they are sort of, but... I, for me, just as a long-term, long-time PC guy, you know, I go back decades with uh, Windows-based PCs. You know, Windows 8 was a little too touchy. You know, it was kind of touchy-feely OS. It was really, it was touch-first. I think was the way Microsoft would say it. Yep. And with Windows 10, they've reached a, a much better balance. And on the PC, PC side specifically, and by PC I mean traditional PC, not necessarily a touchscreen. Although I like those just fine, but you know, keyboard and mouse integration desktop use, you know, desktop applications and all that stuff. This stuff has all gotten better uh, in dramatic ways. And I, I used to be able to kind of make a case with Windows 8, you know, you don't understand there's some really cool stuff in there for the desktop. But with Windows 10, it's all front and center, and I love that stuff. And so it's, you know, the startup menu's back. Um, the, the Snap feature that's been actually in Windows since Windows 7, I think, um, has been upgraded with the Snap Assist feature, which allows you to, once you've snapped an, a window to a side of the screen, it will present you with the other window, so you can automatically snap one of them. You don't have to go back and find it. Virtual desktops formally added to Windows. Finally, the technology has been there for a long, long time. And a lot of other stuff. You know, there's been command line improvements, uh, both command prompt and actually PowerShell. Um, task manager improvements. I mean, file explorer improvements. There's just all this great stuff. And I, I live in the desktop. This is what I do. So um, I love this renewed focus on the PC. Yeah, this this one line could actually be your top 100 because yeah, there's so much yeah. so much. Awesome right, stuff break out that. each one of those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, yeah. And uh, I think I've used all of them. The the one thing is the the snap assist is great, but even just the 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 snap and the way that you know in Windows 8 we had that you know um, special mode where you didn't yeah. have the title bar and all that crap, all that stuff that we hated about <laughs> Windows 8 is all yes. gone and it's, you know, it's fixed. In well, Windows that's the thing, 10, you know, so. in, in Windows 8, the desktop was kind of a second class citizen. You, you couldn't snap a desktop app. You could only snap the entire desktop. Right. And so now it's all one and the same. And so if you want, you know, Word for Windows, which is a desktop app on one side and then the calendar app, which is a mobile app on the other side, no problem. And that's what I, that's sort of what I mean by this. I really like that the PC part of things, what I think of as, you know, the traditional PC part of things is a first class citizen again, as it should be. Yep. Totally agree. Yep. Now you're, we're up to number three. So mm -hmm. let me, um, let me say I have used this. I've demoed this whenever I did the launch events, I was the keynote speaker and I had the opportunity to play with it and, and mm -hmm. demo it. And it was quite impressive. Yeah. Um, but I don't have a, a phone that supports it, so maybe you can tell us a little about Continuum and what it is. 
Yeah, so Continuum is basically a technology that allows Windows to adapt to the hardware on which it's being used and to do so in real time. And so there are, there are two main uses for it. One is the phone thing that you're re referring to, Windows 10 Mobile, where you have a phone, it is a phone, and you plug it into a dock or use a wireless display adapter, and you can connect it uh, wirelessly or wired to keyboard, a mouse, storage devices, big screen, and you can use it as if it were a computer. And the way that that works is actually kind of magical because you still have your phone screen, you have a, what looks like a Windows desktop on the big screen. Universal apps can run, in many cases, full screen on that thing and really take up the screen. So when you run it on your phone, it's this little portrait-type app. And when you run it on the big screen, it's a normal landscape-type PC app. And uh, it allows people to have one device that they can use everywhere, and that's really cool. Um, the other place it's used is with two-in-ones or uh, transforming PCs like Surface where you might clip on a keyboard to a tablet or detach that keyboard from the tablet, and it can switch automatically. And in uh, the desktop version of Windows 10, they have a feature called tablet mode, uh, where Continuum can switch it in and out of tablet mode based on whether a keyboard is connected. And uh, that's the thing, you know, the, my friend who I was talking about, you know, when he unclips the uh, screen from Surface Book, it goes into tablet mode and everything runs full screen. But when he puts it back, Windows return and it's the desktop and it works normally. But Paul, isn't that like obvious that it should do that? <laughs> <laughs> it is obvious that it should do that, but now it does. <laughs> yeah. okay. It's obvious when you see it. You, when you see it, you're like, right, that's how it should work. You know? <laughs> that's yeah. how it should work, yeah. for sure. Um, okay, so um, work the way you want. So tell us about yeah. Windows works the way so you this want. So this is actually ba uh, related to the last two. I talked about earlier about how Windows 10 works really well on PCs. But that's... That's good for me, and that's good for you probably, and for a lot of other people, but there are people who are big fans of Windows 8 and the way that that thing worked. They're fans of that touch-first user interface. There are people who use a big screen and a keyboard and a mouse, but they still want the things to be full screen, and they still want you know that old style of interaction. Um, one of the neat things about Windows 10 is not just that it adapts automatically, which, by the way, is an optional feature, but it can you can configure it the way that you want it. So uh, if you uh, use a tiny Windows tablet, but you still want floating windows on a desktop, you can do that. If you have a giant 32-inch screen uh, and you want things to be full screen all the time in tablet mode, you can do that. And I think that's really neat because uh, Windows 8, I think, was a little too far in that one direction. But now we've got this thing where we brought back the PC stuff. But if you like that touch-first stuff, you know what? You can do that too. And I, I, I think this is just really nice. It's multiple types of input, you know, mouse, keyboard, pen, uh, however you, you know, touch, of course, I should say, um, and however you wish to interact uh, with the computer, you can, you can do it however you want. And that's, that's very freeing. Yeah, it is very, very, very customizable. Um, and the reality is I think a lot of customers don't go in and look at all of those different places where it is customizable. Right. And if somebody, if you spend a little bit of time, and I know you've blogged a lot a lot about some of the cool things that you can do uh, with Windows um, you can really tweak Windows 10 to make it work exactly the way that you want it to work and do some pretty pretty awesome things yes now um, before we before we unveil the, the number <laughs> yep. one reason let's just do a quick uh, a quick rehash so yep. it's free yep. Um, automatic and regular updates is number nine. Number eight is Windows Hello, biometric security. Uh, number seven was the Edge browser. Number six, Cortana. Number five, Action Center and notifications. And number four, uh, works great on PCs. Start menus back, Snap Assist, etc. Uh, number three, Continuum. You know, a pocket, uh, a, a, a computer in your pocket, just 
you know, add, add monitor. Um, and number two, work the way you want. So these are all pretty awesome things, but what is the number one reason why people should be, should care about upgrading to Windows 10? So this is one, it, it, this is almost the stealth one because I think a lot of people wouldn't really consider this quite yet as being the number one reason, but I think this is going to play a big role in the success of Windows 10 going forward. And that's the universal Windows platform. It's this updated mobile apps platform that Microsoft has been working on since, you know, Windows 8 days. Um, but the interesting thing about this is that in the past, we used to have things that were sort of Windows. We had Windows Embedded. We had Windows Phone. We had Windows Mobile. Um, you know, we had Windows for switches and Windows for, you know, small embedded devices and Windows, 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 they all place Windows. But with Windows 10, it really is the same platform. They're bringing all of this stuff together. And so we have Windows 10 on PCs and tablets, and this is basically what most people think of as Windows 10. We also have Windows 10 on phones, or Windows 10 mobile. We have Windows 10 as the core OS now on the Xbox, and this year the Xbox will be upgraded to support universal Windows platform apps, the Windows Store, and Cortana, for, you know, for example. Um, exciting new hardware types like uh, the HoloLens Mixed Reality Headset, uh, the Surface Hub uh, conference system, Windows 10. Windows 10 runs on IoT devices like uh, the Raspberry Pi 2, Raspberry Pi 3. Um, it's basically this sort of Windows Everywhere uh, thing that we've always sort of had but now is real because as a developer, you can go into Visual Studio and you can target your apps on all of these platforms or just some of these platforms. You could say, I want my app to run on tablets and PCs and phones and Xbox. Check, 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 and off you go. And uh, Visual Studio has the smarts to help you uh, make that stuff happen because, again, it's got this adaptable UI and all that stuff is possible. And so in, in the past, we had lots of Windows, and today and moving forward, we have one Windows. And I think that's, in many ways, the most exciting thing of all. Um, and I should say, too, you know, for the user, there's cr cross-buy uh, things that can occur. You can buy an app on Windows Phone, and now you get that app for free on the computer as well. Uh, there's lots of uh, neat aspects. It's, it's good for uh, users, it's good for developers, it's good for the, you know, the whole community. I love this as well, and I think it absolutely deserves to be on number one. Um, and I look at it, and, I, and really I'm looking for your feedback to tell me if mm -hmm. I'm like, full of it or if, you know, if there's some <laughs> okay. validity to this. Yep. Um, the Universal Windows platform I see is not only you know, a game changer for Windows, but perhaps even a game changer for Microsoft in general. And the reason why I, I, I kind of think of it that way is, you know, when we look at the places that Microsoft has struggled, you know, mm -hmm. Windows Phone is an example. It's yep. all been about the app, right, and not having the apps. And we look at where Windows, where Microsoft is super successful on the desktop, where they have all the apps, and now having a single platform over time where somebody is going to write an application for the desktop that everybody's going to use, it's automatically going to work on the, on, the, on the Windows phone, on the Xbox, right. on the TV, on whatever. Um, it seems to me like that's kind of a game changer for the whole application discussion. Does the application discussion go away in three to five years after people re-rev those apps? Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. And, and we didn't really even touch on the fact that Microsoft is making it easier for uh, developers who already have desktop apps, have web apps, have iOS or Android apps, can bring those apps into the Windows, uh, uh, the universal Windows platform as well, very easily. And I, I think, the, you know, it's not as simple as checking a box. I don't mean to under, you know, underestimate sure. the difficulty in some cases. But, you know, when you're developing, like you said, when you're developing an app and you say, look, I want this to run on the Windows desktop. The, the fact that you can have it run on phones or have it run on the Xbox, run on HoloLens, run on uh, embedded devices is astonishing. You know, the ability to do that very easily. You're not porting an app. It's the same app. 
And I think that's really, really cool. And, uh, you know, it's evolved over time. I mean, it's gotten to, there, there were ways in the past where it wasn't too, too hard, depending on how you did it. But the fact that we literally have a single platform now is just a huge deal. It has to be number one. I don't see how it couldn't be. So just a follow-up question on this, because mm -hmm. there are a lot of applications on other, um, on other platforms, uh, whether it be, you know, iOS or Android. Right. Um, and there are now some really awesome technologies to be able to convert those apps into the Windows platform. What do you see in your, you know, expert opinion and as you look at the market all up, um, how fast is that, you know, how fast is that, <laughs> yeah. do you expect that that's going to go? Is that when will then be now? <laughs> yeah, when will then be now? Um... I think it's really tied to Microsoft's announcement that they have a goal that within two to three years, there'll be over a billion uh, devices on Windows 10. And we're, you know, a fifth of the way plus uh, to that number now. I think they're going to hit that number. And I think that positions Windows 10 as a viable platform against Android or iOS, uh, because these are uh, platforms that will by this time also be in that billion dollar user range, uh, sorry, billion user range. And uh, it's a first class target environment for developers, you know, and, right. and I, I, you know, in the past, I think we, we took things a little unilaterally, you know, from a Windows or Microsoft perspective, you said, well, I have to use this device and this device. And I think the truth is out in the real world and businesses too, people use different device types. And from a developer perspective, if you can get uh, in front of people on Windows, on the desktop, on tablets, if you, you know, you, and then take your iOS app and make, you know, make that available over there as well. And go back and forth uh, in both directions, I think, is a big deal. Microsoft, you know, bought Xamarin. I mean, Xamarin is a way for Windows-focused developers to port their, well, to bring apps uh, that are written C-sharp from Windows to other platforms, too. So they're going in both directions. And I think this is reflective of how the real world works. It's smart. So you think it's a good play? Yeah, I think it's right. I think it's the, the, the smart so play. That wraps up our top 10. Um, I appreciate you being on the show. Is there, um, where, so now that people understand <laughs> that there are some really compelling reasons um, to upgrade to Windows 10, um, what do they do? What's next? Yeah. Do they, is it, you know, I guess go do, uh, go do the update from the <laughs> Yeah, uh, just, the store, just accept or? the update. Well, I, I, look, <laughs> yeah, I, Microsoft, I think you, you can just dump it on my machine. Just, I just say yes. No, um, I think from the perspective of an individual, obviously education is key. I have, I have a site. Microsoft has information. I have a book as well. But I mean, I think the important thing is just to be pragmatic about it. If you're going to upgrade a, window, a computer to Windows 10, back it up. <laughs> you know, have your recovery uh, media ready and, and, and see how it goes. Um, I do think it's something that individuals can do. On the business side, I think the really cool thing here is, you know, the old way of doing things doesn't apply anymore. Some people aren't getting that message very quickly, obviously, but you should be evaluating this right now. And there's no SP1 to kind of wait for. This is, there, there will be semi kind of big bang releases, of course, going forward. But really this automatic regular update thing is a big deal because things are happening over time. Um, there's nothing really to wait for. It's all there now. And uh, I think people will be surprised at the, the level of compatibility and familiarity, uh, the lack of training needs for users and so forth. It's not the expensive, ugly proposition that upgrading could have been in the past, depending on the version. Awesome. Thank you very much for being on the show. And uh, I'll make sure that on the blog post accompanying this, we um, uh, provide links to all of that great content. Thank, well, thank you, sir. You. Thank you.